big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose, PhD. And I'm Lael Stone. And we just cannot stop talking <laughs> about lovely Dr. Gabor Mate and all those lovely conversations he had. So we're going to come back and we're doing it one more time. I don't think we're doing any more, but <laughs> we just had some more things we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we're trying to cover all the bases of um, trauma and all the, all the juice in it. But um, yeah, we felt like there were still a few more things we wanted to talk and explore around around this. So yeah, it's, yes, this is, is indulge us in our, in our love of this topic and um and how profound it can be, you know, I think that that is it. The more, I don't know, I always think this of having, well, you know, we all perhaps have our own traumas and, you know, when I had to really do a whole lot of work um, when I had PTSD and work through my own trauma experience, it so opened up a whole other world that I did not know around how we heal and what is possible and what incredible modalities are out there and how it's individual for everybody and how it also is deeply connected to what we feel and experience when we're children. And then, you know, just, I think it is so rich and complex and unique to every person. And I love that there's so many different options to explore or to look at that is right for for every human in their journey and of course for us because we talk a lot about parenting how we help our beautiful children navigate any traumas they have or what goes on in their life so that they don't have to carry that forward into adulthood so that of course is always our big motivation isn't it it certainly is. We just love it. <laughs> love it. We love it. Love it. We love it. Um, I did also think we were going to have start having little chats again as well. So I'd also love to say, how was your week, Leo? How's your week? Been? Yes, yes. We keep starting that. How has my week been? Um, oh, you know, I often do this. Like I can't even remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> no, my week has been good. Um, we are we're in the process. I've been down at my school this week and um, interviewing new families to come to our school next year, and that is always exciting. And showing people around our school really excites me, actually, because as I talk about what we're doing there, I see the beauty of what we're doing there. And it actually really does try, tie in a lot to what we're talking about here, trauma. You know, one of the key reasons why we built Woodline Primary was to help children express and be who they need to be and feel seen and valued and, you know, we don't have, you know, not using any of that punitive discipline and all those kind of ways to coerce kids. Like really it is helping them have a love of learning and be free in who they need to be. And I had some wonderful chats with our beautiful principal. We were talking about just some of the shifts and changes we've seen in our children in the six months that we've been open of, of expressing their feelings in big, magnificent, beautiful ways and watching them find their way back into balance. And, and you can't measure that on um, with grades or marks. You only measure that by watching and witnessing these children. It's been pretty profound. So, so yeah, I've been in a bit of gratitude this week of just watching what we've created and built and the possibility of it all. Yeah. Mm, so what about you? I love that. I love it. Uh, yeah, I've had a real sense of 
things coming to fruition from about the last year and a half, whether that's building the magnificent bunny palace that that I built. Um, My daughter's finished all her driving hours, so she's ready to go and do a test. She had a lesson this week. Um, What else? Uh, Us being ready to publish our book. I'm talking to an editor at the moment about my book. I'm painting the house. Um, Just a real sense of like this, uh, some kind of sense of moving into a different state um, Mm. place. So, um, and lots, as I was saying to you before, I've had so much what I call will energy, which is like the frustration and this really big, really reactive um, in ways that I also really celebrate I I was saying to you wasn't it It it's like a psychological cleanse it's like all this um, unexpressed will energy showing up and as it's coming uh, out it's kind of just like a cleanse you know gets bits that have been sitting around for you know I was gonna say generations interestingly a lot of years and cleaning them out and taking them out it's like that psychologically all this kind of energy of unexpressed feeling so um I'm sending love to my family this week (laughs) doing a lot of that um but I'm I'm also seeing it as part of that move into the world so yes yes I love that because you know I think (laughs) I say this all the time we've become so conditioned you know I look we've talked podcasts about this about being just perhaps in a female body and being good little girls and not being able to express our rage and our anger and there's something very freeing when you get to the point in your life where you're like here it is I don't quite care when that's landing and just yeah that's that's it's powerful can feel so good kind of yeah and as you say it drives action and that is amazing I love that I love that you're in action and and I love you know for me that just reminds me of how we ebb and flow all the time we have rhythms and cycles in our lives where sometimes we are deeply quiet and still and others where we are full of action and making stuff happen and and neither is right or wrong it just is the flow and I think we often judge ourselves when we we think we should be somewhere and we're not and there's there's a lot of wisdom isn't there in listening to what our body is saying and where we're at and how that uh, how that turns up Oh, that's a lovely segue, Lau. Did you do that deliberately? <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm very impressed. <laughs> well, what were we going to talk about next? <laughs> well, we were going to talk about the body first um, in regards to trauma. Um, I actually didn't plan that. That just, oh, just, just came out. You're the um, wisdom of your psyche. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So one of the questions actually that was posted to us after um, sharing about the wisdom of trauma movie was this was the question how often does unresolved trauma get misdiagnosed as a medical condition so I thought this was a fantastic question because I think it is very apt for what Gabon Mate talks about in his film but also I guess um, when we talk about trauma and how that lands in the body so um, you know in answer to that question how often does unresolved trauma get misdiagnosed (laughs) Well, my response would be probably a lot. Uh, and Marion, what would your answer be? Yes, yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> Most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But perhaps not. I wouldn't maybe I'd maybe slightly alter those words from misdiagnose is that we still live in this culture that splits mind and body, mm. uh, feelings from body. And, you know, I talk about Jeremy Lent's book, The Patterning Instinct. He traces this back to three and a half thousand years ago when we first split the in those ways and you know it's kind of funny in not funny I think once we really do this work and really see that our feelings and our mind and our body are an interwoven whole there is no 
they're not separate things. So anything that mm. happens in any of those are going to be affecting all the others. So of mm. course, anything that's that is a trauma is going to affect our feelings, our mind, and our bodies. It's not just going to affect one of those. And as we're going to talk about the body, and as aware parenting shows so clearly, as we accumulate unexpressed feelings literally in our bodies those stress hormones build up that that aren't getting to be released through crying for example the tension in our bodies is building up that isn't getting to be expressed through fight or flight or you know in a raging tantrum the kicking that a child will do you know the, the flailing of arms all of that the energy that needs to be expelled our bodies are simply accumulating that in in really specific ways depending on what the trauma was and it amazes me actually that often our bodies can do that for for many years often decades and I think often it's in later years where it's like the body just cannot keep on holding that in anymore and they just it's going to show up in some kind of illness or sickness but I think it shows up even much sooner than that doesn't it I, I always notice with my kids when they were younger when they were doing a lot of crying is when they when they were when there was less crying when there was accumulation of feelings that would be the time that they would get sick. And if they were doing lots of expression, they would very rarely get any kind of sickness showing up mm. for them. Mm. I just yeah, talked I had a lot of that. Carry on. That's no, good. No, I, I, I observed the same with my children. Um, look, there's a lot of research and information on this. And for some people, I know they're listening, they're like, what do you mean? Like, you know, my illness means something. And so I, I recommend Gabor has a book when the, I'm like, I'm calling him like he's my mate now by his first name. Oh, he's <laughs> Gabor. My, my mate. I'm sure he'd love to come on our podcast one day. You know what? I have a picture with him, Marion. We'll have to put that up in the and on our Instagram post. Yes, I'm, let's I'm do it send for, that them, to for the um, next yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my mate Gabor, um, he has a book called When the Body Says No. Uh, which really speaks to this. And he's got some brilliant YouTube talks if you want to learn more about this, which is really exactly as he says, the body holds on to these traumas, these stresses, they can manifest in illnesses, in cancers, in autoimmune disease, all those kind of stuff. And, you know, he's not the first to talk about this. Like Louise Hay was talking about this many, many years ago. I don't know if any, I used to have a little book that was a Louise Hay book that you could look up any you look kind up, of ailment yeah. What's your knee? and what it meant. What's your knee telling you? What's yeah, your back telling yes, you? Totally. <laughs> And, and, you know, for me, I grew up with a mother who um, was pretty aware and switched on and, you know, this for her was something she was aware of many, many years ago. And so when we were kids growing up, when we were sick, you know, she would often say, what is your body saying, you know, and what are you holding on to? And and that has something that's always been in my psyche, I think, because that was, you know, what was imprinted to me when I was young. That whenever I did get sick, I would be like, oh, what's going on here? What is my body saying? What have I created here? And um, and that just gave me another perspective to look at or to feel into to help shift perhaps some of the stuff that was going on in my body. And then and then when I became mom and, and obviously with the word parenting, I really began to see exactly what you were saying. If my kids were holding on to a lot of stuff, it would manifest in their bodies. And so um, it was it was often very interesting around how that would turn up 
and I really would notice that and 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 again I've used similar languaging with my kids when they've been unwell you know what is that piece saying so my daughter for quite a while kept getting tonsillitis you know and and sitting at the throat and and for her particularly it was about communicating and stuff that she really needed to say and so she would start to feel tonsillitis come on and I'd say okay let's let's feel into what's going on here and and you know when it felt safe enough her she would have a big talk or cry or she would have a big rage around what she was holding in her throat and interestingly my husband used to get tonsillitis all the time as a child and when I've asked him about that he's like I was never allowed to say really what I was thinking so it was all held there and so he would he would often get it recurring and so I think again we've all got different bits and pieces within our bodies you know and and look even um um, v, uh, who Gabor interviewed as well, you know, she referred to this particularly sexual trauma can turn up with a lot of issues in women's reproductive systems, in um, their genitals, you know, and that, that again makes a lot of sense when there's been violation there and the body's holding that trauma of how it can turn into illness. So so there's some beautiful science out there if, if you like the science element of it to explore around what this looks like and, you know, and I think it is, a whole other beautiful lens to look at, as you're saying, the connection between the mind and the body and the spirit and and how it's all talking together. And when we don't express ourselves, then those repressed feelings or that, you know, they have to sit somewhere and turns into that toxicity in the body. Mm. Uh, I'd love to mention a couple of things that aren't aware parenting. One is uh, my work with the inner loving presence process. All of that stuff is what I've, what my own personal um opinion is from my own when I do my own listening to my own body and when feelings uh, symptoms or sensations are showing up in my bodies I often notice there's a really clear um, correlation between the actual felt sense of the symptom and the and the felt sense of the feeling that didn't get to be expressed so I often found that they find that they're really um, related and um, through developing a deep sense of inner loving presence when I listen in and can stay present with the actual sensation that I'm feeling in my body, I can feel the correlated um, feeling that it originated from. And that's such a powerful thing. And I remember with you, Laud, you remember you would remember this a few weeks ago. I was having some really strong sensations in my mouth, and I called you up, and I was crying, and um, and connecting back to childhood memories. And, and you know, our bodies are so powerful, aren't they, in terms of what they communicate to us? Mm-hmm. So, and I'd also love to share one other thing, which again is not aware parenting, but some um, buteco breathing, which I'm really passionate about, and what I've become really. Um, keen in is actually seeing that how that links with aware parenting and if we go into um, a shock state or we're going into fight or flight and we uh, so of course when we're in that state we hyperventilate we need to have a lot of um, you know we'll we'll breathe a lot because we need to run or fight that needs a lot of um, you know we need to to be breathing a lot Um, but what will often happen is that people will then continue to over breathe and and um, hyperventilate and that can then lead to all kinds of things like asthma and just all kinds of um, physical ailments that are actually caused by hyperventilation. So I'm really passionate in really understanding that the impact 
of how we're breathing and how that relates to our body. And yeah, really seeing that um, in my lovely daughter, <laughs> who's who I'm constantly saying to her, either "Sweetheart, would you <laughs> would you be willing to breathe through your nose?" or "I'm so willing for you to want to breathe through your nose and breathe gently." So she's got something going on there. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so powerful. Our bodies will be communicating in all kinds of ways if if there are feelings, which they, we all have feelings sitting there, but, you know, whether something happens in the present moment that's reminding us of the past or whether we've just got full up of feelings and we're needing to to let them out or whether it's just time. Often there's a, a timing thing where the, the body or our psyche is going, okay, time to address this now. So we're just going to give you a a headache or a toothache or a sore knee or a sore back mm. or, you know, because we really would love to be heard now. Yes. Do you know in my family with my children, like my, my kids have really been sick, but we've broken lots of bones in our family. Yes. And I will often see that as a way my kids have broken many bones and usually through sport or playing something, but it often has been for them a you need to slow down a bit, you know, or there needs to be a pause there if there's been too much going on. Yes. Um, I remember doing breaking my ankle when my youngest was like maybe two years of age and I it was before I really kind of started to do some work on my trauma and I was I was really running from it I knew I was like I didn't running, want to deal running. with it you're running from it <laughs> I was running from it and um, I was vacuuming one day and I t- uh, tripped over the vacuum cleaner and broke my ankle <laughs> Right. Uh, vacuuming. I was like, that's a like sign cleaning that I up. should not vacuum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's well, probably that's what it meant. Um, <laughs> also interesting, up. again, not aware parenting, but isn't it often how these things happen that you were trying to, that it was whilst you were cleaning yeah, up. Making yes, clean. yeah. I was trying to make it all clean. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, for me, that was such a, I, I did it and I remember I was in a lot of pain, but I then kind of started oh. laughing because I was like, all right, I can't do anything. And literally I had to sit on the couch for six weeks. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't look after yeah. my kids. I couldn't get anywhere. Yeah. People had to come and take care of me. Like I was literally forced to stay still because there was a whole lot I was running from and I needed to to listen a little bit more to that. It served its purpose beautifully. I I wanted to mention too that um, there is an amazing YouTube talk Gabor does where he talks about breast cancer and he talks about he reads a eulogy from um, this woman who died from breast cancer and he was often talking about um, that women with breast cancer particularly particularly where it sits in the breast and he's always so much about putting their needs second. So about giving, giving, giving. And he reads a eulogy of this woman who even when she was unwell and going through chemo, she was still taking care of the local community Mm. and she was still doing this and still doing that. And he talked about so much of this woman's worth was about, you know, making sure that she was helping other people, but putting herself last and that she couldn't take care of, you know, that, that it was selfish to take care of her own needs because that's what she'd been taught. And, yeah. and he even mentions too, you know, the family, they say the family history of breast cancer and her mother had it as well. And her grandmother had it as well. And it's, you know, and people can often say it's just in the genes of where it is. And, you know, I always found it quite interesting because I often talk about those imprints. What have we learned? What did we watch our mother do or our grandmother do and go, well, that's what it is to be a woman or that's who it is to be a man. And so when we watch our mother be completely selfless, selfless and always take care of everyone else's needs and not take care of your own. And then, you know, the body reaches a point where it's like, you know, there is, there's that, you know, cancer or there's something going on. And that was just what we learned of how we do it. And then we manifest the same thing potentially. And so really interesting, um, you know, again, from a medical point of view, people would say, well, that's just your genes. And, and I found that really interesting of like, 
understanding what it is the stories that we take on board and how we how it looks that that we were just copying what we've been shown and our body has done a similar thing by turning up in that way because we've we've watched well to be a woman means don't take care of yourself you know and put everybody else's needs first or whatever that looks like and so I often find that's interesting too in families when we look at you know different ailments or illnesses that are are almost emotionally passed down because of what we've learned and what we watched and and then we go but that's just how it is you know so I think there's some real power in when we investigate where the story is and what that looks like and there's some beautiful amazing stuff out there around different illnesses and what they can turn up as and where that sits and you know so I think it's a really deep fascinating topic I also really just want to flag that you could this could feel confronting hearing this and just being like well no it doesn't you know I have looked at my stuff or that's not what happened for my mum or whatever and again I really invite you to feel into what feels all right for you you know I think they pose it poses some really interesting questions this, mm. this this topic around the body and what we hold and what it's telling us mm. and I'd really love to second that that as well the um uh, you know, I really appreciate what Louise Hay brought at the time. And for me as well, it's to see that each of us, it can be really something very different. So it's interesting that you mentioned uh, breast cancer, because I'm going to mention my um, maternal grandmother, who her first child was stillborn. And back in the day, so that would have been in the mid 20s, 1920s, 100 years ago, of course, there was no acknowledgement of what happened. So she was just mm-hmm. told to go home and and forget about it and get pregnant again, which she did. And, you know, she didn't ever get to express any of that grief. And I, um, she'd got breast cancer as a, as an older woman. And I've known other people who've either um, lost babies or adopted babies out who've also had that. So I I think it can also, you know, pain can show up in so many different ways in the body and it's all, it's so personal. And I think the other thing is to, you know, if anyone's worrying about, uh, oh my gosh, you know, if you've had a, if you've lost a baby or had a miscarriage or so on, this doesn't mean that this is going to end no. up as that. No. And the way I see it is the more we listen to our bodies when they show smaller symptoms mm-hmm. and we're listening and the more we're just, you know, doing our inner work in whatever way we um, resonate with, I think that really supports our bodies as well as of course, we're not saying that the body's just about feelings. The body's mm. also, of course, um, you know, how we're taking care of it on a physical mm. level as well. All, all of the things. There's so many different mm. impacts, aren't there? Toxins and radiation and all the things that are bit that yes. are affecting us, not just feelings. That's it. And it and then, and I love that you brought that up. It's different and unique for everybody. It doesn't mean if it means this for one person, doesn't mean yeah. it means that for another. I mean, I, I've shared with you before when we were talking about this topic that. that was something that I grew up with was really inquiring what's my body telling me now what do I need and um I've done that with my own kids even when they're little what's your body saying (laughs) as my kids moved into the kind of tween teen years where there's often a great need to reject everything that you've said sometimes be like what do you think your body's saying and they'd go it's sick just give me some drugs (laughs) 
I'd be like, so we want to feel into how this feels. And they'd be like, nah. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> so I loved it for quite a few years. And my kids have totally rejected everything I've said around that. And I'm like, okay, yep, well, we'll just do this. I think there's a place for everything. There's so a place for everything. And um, in my great needs to be like, we're, all, we're just going to, you know, do this or do that. You know, sometimes they're like, nah, don't give me any more of that rubbish, mum. Um, which is funny. <laughs> and then they have their way back. And now they ask me, they're like, can you put me into the osteopath or can you, can you do that? And I go, yeah, yeah. So I love that it's gone full circle and, and, you know, and I totally respect my children know their bodies and know what they need and that, that I trust them to, to tell me what it is that they want or need. And I follow that with them, you know, with, with wherever they're going yeah. sometimes. So, um, yeah, but I have definitely learned that it's not to not be fanatical. About it. Um, I, was, I was laughing the same. Like my son had a you know, terrible headache last night. He's got stomach ache and things like that at the moment. So we're taking him off to see someone and doesn't, doesn't want to know anything about it being feelings. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. my daughter, I'm like trying to get her to encourage her to want to do puteco and she really doesn't want yeah. to. So <laughs> okay (laughs) (laughs) that's it it's yeah it's back off uh parent and I'm like yeah that's cool I'll I'll do that and then you know and then then I've watched my kids kind of come full circle going yeah that feels better for me can I do that or what do you think is going on but yeah those beautiful years where they're like no I'm gonna reject everything that you think is important I'm like okay uh anyway coming back to the body I think our bodies are so incredible and they're complex and they're unique to us and our stories and you know I really hope anybody listening to this is it takes the pieces that resonate with you or what you need to lean into and that it is just we are just talking about you know perception or opinion here so please feel into what feels right for you you know I think there's space for every modality you know western medicine eastern medicine all the different alternative modalities i think there's space for everything and at the end of the day it's got it's got to be what works for you i think that's what's really really important and you know when we bring it back to trauma i guess i just look my strong belief is because i've witnessed it not only myself but a lot of people i've worked with is that and we we've talked about this right from the beginning the trauma has to go somewhere and really where we want it to do is to be expressed in a healthy way and of course, we talk about this in aware parenting is that when we don't have those safe ways to express it, we move into repression or it can move into aggression. And so really the goal here is how do we help not only ourselves and our kids move those bigger stories so that so we don't have to get sick and so that we can have healthy relationships and we can, you know, thrive in this world. You know, that's the goal that we want here. And so the body is one part of it for sure. Yeah. I love all of that now. Exactly. Mm. So if it does resonate with you and you do really love that idea and you're perhaps already doing it or you want to even do it more, there are just so many ways to really, really trust the body and really listen that our bodies are so amazing and communicating Mm. with us. Mm. Yes, they are. They are. So do you want to talk about um, the two other things we were going to really talk about? we can talk about Stan Groff. I wanted to talk about Stan Groff. Yeah, let's talk about that. And then I wanted to talk about therapy. Um, let's let's go into the Stan Groff because I think this is just exquisite and amazing. And I think we both have some really interesting experiences around this. But would you like to explain really, well, I guess, who Stan Groff is and what his work was about? And and Gabor did have an interview with him on his um, his interview series. So do you want to talk about him for a bit? 
Well, do you know what? I didn't actually do an interview with him. He so it was just Stan Groff on his own, which I was oh. I was quite disappointed because I was so looking forward to it because I love both of them. Stan uh, Stan Groff, I've been into his work since 1992, and I've been very influenced by him. And so I was looking forward to that conversation. So anyway, he didn't do that. He just did a, a talk. So Stan Groff was a he's been so influential in um, many, many ways. He developed something called holotropic breathwork. So again, there's lots of this that isn't aware parenting, but a lot of it that's so um, relevant to aware parenting. And what he discovered is um, one of the things he discovered was that the different stages that we go through as babies whilst we're being born, um, the whatever happens in each of those stages will often then if they don't get to be processed will keep on showing up in our lives so he talked about the, the four basic perinatal matrices he called them so bpm1 which is like oceanic oneness ideally if we're having a yummy time in the womb which of course may be different if um you know mother's um really really stressed or has some medical uh, thing medical thing going on that's really technical isn't it or is uh taking drugs or any of those kinds of things but anyway ideally there's bpm1 which is oceanic oneness um, bpm2 which is when the surges are happening or contractions if you call them that but the cervix isn't opened and he talked about that as being no way out um, bpm3 which is when the cervix is open there's that sense of light the light at the end of the tunnel and then bpm4 which is having been born and being ideally again being held in loving arms so of course at any of those stages uh, things can happen during our birth and um, again we will we'll try to express those feelings in our infancy and in our childhood um, and whatever we don't get to express will keep on showing up so it may be that um we have this sense of no way out that we can't, that we have no power and whatever we do, we just, you know, just doesn't happen. We just have no agency and we may then go back into, we may feel really depressed a lot. And then we may then kind of try to avoid those feelings and go back into BPM one, that the sense of like through um, control patterns, basically to avoid feeling the pain and to actually go back into that, that gorgeous oceanic oneness, which we talked a lot about last week. Um, so I just really love his work. And what I love is that combined with aware parenting, all we know about, you know, babies come out into the world, able to heal from their birth experiences. And they will be constantly actually trying to communicate to us um, about their birth. And they will keep on doing that through toddler years, through their childhood. Uh, and each child, it will be different for. So whatever their birth was like, they will actually be trying to process it and try to complete what didn't get to be completed for them to try to express the feelings that they felt back then. So, and that can happen even if um, the birth is really calm and beautiful and relaxed and we've done, you know, hypnobirthing or calm birth or any of those kinds of things. And it may be gorgeous for us. It's still a humongous experience being born. I mean, it is a, a kind of life or death Titanic struggle. The, the, you know, if we're born vaginally, the amount of pressure that's that's happening, you know, it's it's a massive, massive thing. And we are both so passionate about birth. Now you've worked in birth for many, many years, but just to actually understand what the baby experiences and that babies have real feelings to express about their birth afterwards. We're just we both so passionate about that. And I know you have some things that you want to say specifically too mm. about that, Lil. Oh, there's many things. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that is, we could do something? about 10 podcasts just on babies. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, there's there's a few things I want to um, highlight into that. I love I love that, that that Stan Groff did that work, like probably well ahead of his time again now of just stuff that we're realizing. I mean, we're just starting to bring awareness to what we call epigenetics, you know, which is what you know the influence on our genes and and where we are and. You know, they're like, oh yeah, if a woman, a mother is stressed, then that has a has an impact on the baby. It turns certain genes on and off and their ability to for their brains to function and all sorts of stuff, right? So we're seeing that. So I think Stan Groff was probably well ahead of his time as far as what he saw in the sense of the impact of what birth is. Um, there's a few things that I, I want to share. And and one is your talking really makes me think about, you know, obviously when we're born and, and how that sets up sometimes how we see life and what happens. So I was born by cesarean. Um, we, we did a, one of our first podcasts, I think we shared about this, about birth. And I talked about how I've always seen my cesarean birth as I just literally got lifted out of the womb. Like I didn't have to work too hard, um, which often turns up in my life. I get a lot of support. <laughs> People just lift me up and help me all the time. So I, that's how I've made it, what I've made it mean. Yes. Uh, but what's also interesting is my mother had preeclampsia and was hospitalized um, with both myself and my brothers. So she was quite sick. And, and as she tells the story, which is very interesting, she tells the story that one every morning they'd come in and take blood and they'd come in and on the day I was born, they came in and said, um, your blood pressure is too high. It's really dangerous now. Your baby has to come out now. And she said from them saying it, it was half an hour till I was born. And she said, and what I did is I went into complete shock. I started shaking, right, until I was on the operating table and then the baby would come out. And, and so for that half an hour, you know, before I was born, like full panic, right? Now, what was really interesting is when I was working in births, so I used to attend births as a doula, uh, nearly every birth I went to, about half an hour before the baby was about to be born, I would have the most intense need to go to the toilet and I'd have diarrhea, right? And I didn't, I couldn't, like there was, it wasn't because I'd eaten the wrong thing, anything, but nearly every birth mm. I went to, I'd get this feeling and I'd think, oh God, and I'd have to go to the toilet. And after it happened for a while, I was like, oh God, the baby's going to be born soon. <laughs> and it was like, mm. I was tuning into something. I'd kind of walk out and go, the baby will be here soon. <laughs> and people would be like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I don't know. My body's just telling me. Sure enough, mm-hmm. I think probably most of the time it was exactly spot on, right? Yeah. And and I look at how that has turned up in my life. Sometimes um, I do things fast. So when it's going to happen, it happens. So I move yeah. really fast. But often there can be a little panic before I move into that. Okay, let's just do it, which is what I do in my world, have always done in my world. I I see that and I'm really supportive within that. Now, again, I know this is all about perception. We get to make it mean what we want to make it mean and how we see it. We've got the opportunity to look through a lens of negativity of how we didn't get our needs met or we can look it through another lens. You know, I'm always the optimist. So I'm like, yeah, that worked for me. That's brilliant, right? I would like to perhaps, you know, work with the part that feels traumatized or feels that panic before mm-hmm. something big, which I've done a lot of work on to allow more ease in my world with it. But that's been my lived experience of, of that. And talking to my mum a lot about my birth and what that was like for her and all those kind of things has been fascinating. I've watched with my own children too, um, particularly my my middle daughter who had a beautiful, peaceful um, water birth at home. Um, we labored for a really, really long time though. Like I labored for a long time. And, and what happened in her birth is we stayed almost stuck at a certain place. I think I was about seven or eight centimeters for about five or six hours. Like I was really doing the same thing for a long time. It wasn't moving. Like it was just there. 
And then all of a sudden something happened and she was born within about 10 minutes. So I went from seven centimeters to literally pushing her out within about 10 minutes. So it just moved. Now, you know, that was her birth journey. And what I've witnessed in her nearly 18 years of being on this planet is this is exactly what she does. She cruises along. She usually gets stuck in something and only when she's ready to to do it, then she just goes, right? But you cannot get her to budge until she's ready to move. And that is who she is. And I've really begun to accept that now, you know, there's no point trying to coerce her or offer her things to do it or help her when she's ready and willing, she'll do it. But short of that, she just stays. She can often get stuck for a while. And now we're here. (laughs) So I've watched that so often. I think it's so her, it's how she was born. It's who she is in the world. And you know, that's my take on it. As her mom, she probably has got a whole other story and take on it. But she knows that she goes, yeah, I'm not going to move until I'm ready. And I was like, yeah, that was your birth, right? So that was, that was doing all those contractions over and over and over until ready to move. Now, who knows why and what, and we can look into all the different pictures or, or understandings or explanations as to, to make sense of why that is. I just see it as it just is exactly how it was meant to be. And that's who she is in her unique spirit in the world. But I, I have not only witnessed that within myself, with my own children, but then in working in birth for a long time and then working with families postnatally, you know, we often always ask about the birth, what happened, and we can see what Stan Groff is talking about. I can really definitely see where those traumas turn up for the babies, you know, in when, when they're now born and in that postnatal period, you know, I think it's why it's always really interesting to hear around what happened in labors, how mum was feeling, how partner was feeling, what was going on in the environment where they were, and knowing that our babies are sentient beings, that they pick up on that. Such a big guess. Yeah. Oh, I've got so much I'd love to say too. <laughs> um, I'd love to share about my daughter as well, really similar, but um, I shall go in. I remember when she was six and she had a plate uh, put in her teeth. She had an uh, oh, underbite, is that what you call it? Um, and so going back to the bodies, teeth are what where often our things show up in our family. And unfortunately, I passed that down to both of my children. Um, but she, when she was six, she had a, a plate put in her in her jaw um, that she wore to help her jaws. And basically, she went through her whole birthing experience. So she moved. Uh, so her birth was eighty six hours. It was uh, unassisted. It was a um, hypnobirthing I mean I was really calm throughout all of it but it was really 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 long and um and we did she did lots of crying in arms as a baby and lots of crying as a child so she had done lots and lots and lots of releasing of that in really clear ways and yet still there was more so still more and that's the thing about you know when big things happen they can take a lot of you know a lot of releasing often and, and so I remember that day when she was six and she literally was uh, her dad and I were both there with her as we were at her birth <laughs> and she would literally move from room to room and we actually gathered and, and realized that she was actually moving from the different rooms in the ways that I had whilst I was going through that process of uh, moving towards her actually being born and it was so profound she was crying all the way and we were with her all the way and saying all the things and I mean this may sound if you're new to this, this may sound really weird, but literally we could both, her and her dad were like, yep, this is what she's doing. So, you know, thinking about it, her when her jaw was moving, just as it had been really compressed, you know, her skull had been so compressed for so many hours that, that actually that movement of it and that expansion of it helped her reconnect to more of those feelings that she hadn't 
been able to access before that, which is now giving me another clue now because she has um doing a little bit of processing <laughs> on the podcast. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then she finished off with this a big almighty kind of scream with both of us and she fell asleep for a lot of hours. And just as I found with both of my children when they were younger and they would have big cries is the deep relaxation in her body, like the, the, the amount of um, stress that she'd released, the amount of tension that she'd released, and she'd already done a lot, was so profound. We really saw a shift in her. So what I love as well is, and we talk about this often, is like also really trusting the timing mm. that often, you know, something will happen. So I've often seen um, children have thumb-sucking control patterns will often at some certain age um, hurt their hurt their thumb or their fingers so then for that while they're not able to put the thumb in and they will have big cries and release the the stress or the trauma that they've been holding in um so yeah and similarly with with your middle daughter so that 86 her birth is what i've seen with her in every stage of her life is she takes a lot of time to do things like way longer than most people but when she does them she does it exactly perfectly so when she was learning to walk she didn't ever ever fall over and then one suddenly she just walked one day and you know she's talked about her driving I hope she doesn't mind me talking um she's not going to be listening but sorry sorry Lana um you know she's nearly 20 and she's just taken the time she always takes times it's really similar to your daughter and it's so I've learned so much from her about the beauty of actually not rushing because I was really premature so what I like to do is I like to um I like to be premature with things. I like to be, I like to get into the thing before anyone else gets into it. You know, I loved getting into where parenting, um, you know, 20 years ago when people, it wasn't so well known. I liked, that's what I like to do. I like to kind of get into the things first. So um, yeah, so interesting, isn't it? If we don't see these things as wrong or bad, we don't judge ourselves to actually to really trust the unfolding of, Mm. you know, what happens for a human being. Yeah, and you know, while while we're still talking on birth, and you know, I used to say to mums I'd work with, I really trust babies, and I trust they know how they need to be born. You know, we can, you know, this, this is a whole other thing. We can put so much pressure on ourselves as women for not doing birth right, for feeling that it wasn't fair that we didn't get the birth we wanted. You know, and I always think it's babies and, and knowing exactly what they're doing or how that's playing out, you know, what the way they want to be born. And yes, we play a part in that and we can make choices to support what we want. But at the end of the day, it's a baby's birth and what's going to play out for them. And, and you know, I've shared about my my third child's birth. Basically, she was an undiagnosed breech baby, which somehow I still don't know how I didn't caught on to the fact that she was breech, even being a birth worker. But but literally, you know, she she one of her foot, her legs came out, um, you know, of my vagina, and she got stuck, and then I had to have an emergency cesarean, and you know, there was a whole big story that went through that. And I remember even the doctor saying, she's like, God, this baby's just doing it her way, isn't she? Uh And I was like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) that's pretty much what she's done ever since she does it her way. Like you cannot tell my my younger daughter about how to do something. She's so aware of who she is and how she wants to do it. She does it her own way. And I think her birth is so her. It just was so her on so many levels of what it, you know, taught me but also about who she is she kind of dipped her toe out into the world what do I reckon hmm, don't know. we'll try this and we'll do something else and 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 that she does it in the way that she wants to do it and and again we can look into birth and we can 
you know, we can make it mean what we want to make it mean, of course. And everybody's got their perception and there is no right and wrong with it. At the end of the day, it's got to come back to what feels at peace with you. And I think though, I do know that when we have had challenging birth experiences, or if you're, you're listening to what Stan Graff talks about and thinks, oh yeah, well, my baby didn't get that, or it didn't get this. There's lots that we can do to support our babies, particularly with their birth, you know? So, and we touched on this on other podcasts before, you know, I mean, firstly, I always think that as the parents, we need to make peace with the birth experience. So we need our feelings heard around it you know, whether that's in some counselling or body work or what we, and I say both, if there's, you know, a couple there doing it to make peace with the birth so that we feel in completion with it. And then we can create and hold a space for our kids to work through whatever they need to work through around the birth, which can be through tears, right? So it can be absolutely listening to tears, perhaps when they're babies, or it can even be when they're toddlers. It can also be when they're older, but play is such a beautiful way too for our children to work through what they need to around birth. So you know, many times I've worked with families who, who have intuitively felt, I feel like there's stuff there for my little one around their birth. Um, you know, they, they might've got stuck and then they ended up having an emergency cesarean, or they might've had a forceps delivery or something where there was an intervention and the children will often play games, maybe where there's a cubby and they have to push against something to come out because they, they didn't get to, you know, they didn't get to have that pushing experience or, or they, they don't want anybody to touch their heads or like, I mean, there's so many different ways that children process what this looks like. And, um, you know, we can often see it too, that, that toddlers particularly will want to, I want to go back under into your belly, you know, they'll try and crawl up under your top, you know, so that it's like you're pregnant again. And, or I want to be a baby again, or I want to be born again. And these are all such beautiful things that children instinctively know that they're doing to work through some of their story. And as we always talk about following your child's lead is so important here. If they're saying, I want to play being born, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. Um, you know, can be such beautiful things to to do. And, you know, one time it just made me think about when my daughter was about four and the youngest one who who did who was born by cesarean and she said one day, can we play being born? And I was like, yeah, let's play being born. And I said, so, you know, do you want to be born like at home in the water with candles? And she's like, no, I'm going to be born in the hospital with doctors and they're going to pull me out hard. I was just like, no, let's have the beautiful. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, no, this is what we're playing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so she had to play what what happened to her, which she did quite a few times, you know, and there's me trying to influence my, oh, but it could be nice if it was like this. <laughs> and she's like, nah, we're doing it like this. I was almost half expecting her to go and give me all the drugs. And um, <laughs> I was like, okay, we'll just play that out then, uh, which we did. And then it moved into something else, you know, and I think that's why. I just so love and trust children's ability to play and process. And we always say this, we often just get in the way, right? We sometimes just miss those cues. But, you know, I think when we're talking about birth or if you're feeling that there's stuff there, being able to, A, if they're little, just facilitate that beautiful listening to their feelings. But if you do have toddlers or older kids, you know, playing some games, that you know, around birth or being born or and there can be a lot of laughter around it or building cubbies where, 
they have to try and push their way through almost like a tunnel can be really interesting to see what happens. And, you know, I've, I've done it with a family once where um, we, we kind of built this tunnel, like little fort for this little one to come out and he wouldn't come out. He was like, no, I'm staying in here forever. And as we talked through the birth, you know, he stayed there for a really, really long time. And then, you know, mum really coaxed him. It's safe to come out. And then he, he kind of stuck his head out and then pulled it back in again and then did it a little bit more and gently came out. And after he came out he kind of was like I'm here and then they celebrated and it was just this beautiful symbolic play of of what you know what had played out in their family so there's some incredible magic there with play Mm, so much Uh, I'm remembering as you speak Lel my both my children love to play this game where I'd get on all fours so like hands and knees and then um like they go under I'd have a big t-shirt on they go under there and then they try and push uh, out you know between my legs like where my knees were and 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 I'd really like listening to how much pressure they wanted to do and then when they came out I'd say oh my gosh welcome to the world I'm so glad that you're here and then they go again (laughs) (laughs) also in babies you know babies will constantly be showing things like often um I know uh, parents who are practicing where parenting and I also found this with my lovelies when they were babies if listening to crying in arms that you may often have this intuitive sense because we we will be constantly picking up things in with ideas that come to us like hmm I think this might be this part this part of when they were being born or oh I feel called to just gently touch the head at this moment and you know particularly if the baby's had a vontus or forceps or you know it's like really trusting that then they will they will often push against mm-hmm. uh, a hand or they'll get in particular positions I remember um, both of mine as well, when they were crying, would often like get themselves in particular positions, which really seemed to be them again, uh, actually revisiting their birth and actually getting to to cry and express the feelings that they felt mm. whilst they were being born that they, of course, couldn't mm. cry back then, but they were feeling the feelings. And mm. also babies often when they're oh, and toddlers too, will often like twist, they'll cry, arch their backs, mm. um, and then often then twist whilst they're crying. And so if mm. you can actually, again, move with them and support them in twisting whilst they're crying and then coming round again. So there are all these ways their bodies, we're going back to the body again, is that their bodies will be um, trying to re-experience, but with a felt sense of safety and being heard, what they experienced back then. And the amazingness, you know, I often think about, I mean, I'm you know, I totally trust my journey, but I'm, uh, and I imagine for me as a premature baby, if my, you know, if a weapon had been invented then and we knew this stuff in the Western culture, you know, what a difference would it have been made for me in my, all of my childhood and teenage years, if my parents had known, we need to listen to a lot of crying, this little baby, because she's been on her own and she's been jabbed and poked with all kinds of things and she feels terrified and to actually just understand that these beautiful babies feel everything and they want to tell us about what it was like for them and the more they get to express that the more relaxed they're going to feel the more they're going to be able to sleep peacefully the more present they're going to be in their bodies the, you know all the wonderful things and to remember that you know it is never too late you know we you know I didn't start doing my healing work until I was an adult it, you know it's never too late mm. I love all of that and and it's just bringing it back to the trauma piece again too and what 
many of these experts in these stories were talking about, you know, they talk about how the body doesn't get to complete how it feels. Yes. And so we can see that if, if a toddler's got a fright, right, by a big dog and then they hold on to it and then they have we start to express all those big feelings that they couldn't express in the time. And somehow we often make it okay if, that it's a toddler or a school-aged child or an adult. But I, I think, again, we often forget about babies, don't, you know, in, in our culture it is that, you know, but it's fine, like, you know, but I think, you know, what I have seen and what you have seen over these years is is that babies feel that too. And, you know, if you listen to this and you're like, but, well, yeah, what do I do? Well, again, we come back to those basics of, you know, we make sure we meet their needs for comfort and for food and for, you know, closeness or being attuned to your child, but then also creating some spaces to listen to their feelings and, and trusting that journey that they will tell you as, as it feels safe enough to do it so that they can express what they need to, to be released. And I, I think as you talk about just so beautifully then, you know, what, what difference and impact that can make on their life moving forward um, when we give them the opportunity to do it when they're young. You know, and and look for me. That's how I came to aware parenting because when my beautiful Talia was born with that cesarean and all the things that went with it, I knew enough to know we've both been through trauma and and that that's going to stay in the body if we don't do something. So what is the answer? And that's how I found aware parenting because I was like, wow, here's a way for me to heal, for her to heal, and that's what set me on my journey. I'll always be so deeply grateful for that. To and again from doing it with her, from having had a very big birth experience watching over the years as that trauma has moved how that's progressed you know to where she is now as a magnificent very um strong-willed outspoken 13 year old i just got she is all types of fabulous um and doesn't you know and from what i see doesn't carry those stories from from what had happened because we gave it the opportunity to be expressed and i think that's the goal here with with trauma you know, stuff happens to us and and it's our, in those moments, not being able to process, express, feel what we need to from that shock, from that trauma, that is what often takes hold of us. And that's, again, what we're wanting to to work with with our kids. And that is really what we're parenting is about on just such a beautiful, profound level. Such a big yes. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's then the segue, I'm going to use that word again, into the, I know you wanted to talk about the, the like therapeutic holding, which, you know, so much about for us as adults, if we are wanting someone to listen to us and be with us and support us as we express feelings to heal from trauma. I, mm -hmm. I know you really wanted to, to talk about this. Yeah, I think it was, um, well, there was a part in Gabor's film, you know, where he's actually helping a man process some stuff. He's a man who has cancer and he's just giving, helping him through a process where he's getting to feel a lot of the stuff that he never got to express. And there's this beautiful intimacy between um, Gabor and this man. And you can see Gabor just holding such a beautiful space of calm possibility for him. There's no judgment. There's just deep compassion. And, you know, we talk about this a lot that, you know, when so much of, I think, the work we both do isn't saying the right words or leading people anywhere. It's just sitting there with love and compassion to say, I see you and I hear you and and I'm with you. And, and that must have felt really challenging. And and here is all this compassion. And that in itself is just, that's, that's the healing. And, um, you know, I think that 
when we're looking at how we do the work of healing, it's so important that we find the right person who can hold spaces like that for us to do it. Because sometimes when, you know, when it's just words or sometimes it's a practitioner perhaps who hasn't felt into their own feelings, you know, and I know I've heard Gabor say this, you'll only take a client as far as you're willing to go yourself. Mm. And I think that's why it's really deeply important that we be discerning about who we work with around holding those feelings and emotions for us, particularly if we're leaning into some of the bigger stuff. And, and I think that's why we always talk about this, about doing our own work, because the gift of doing your own work is not only healing your own story, but it's being able to hold space for others so that they also can access that beautiful, deep level of, of acceptance and healing. And I think it's so vitally important, so important. And, you know, ultimately as parents, that's what we're wanting to get to, to be able to sit comfortably or uncomfortably, but sit with the big feelings and know that it's okay and really trust the journey because that's the energy at the end of the day. I think all children deeply desire is to have an adult who can sit there and say, I see you, this is not too big for me. You know, I, I've got you. And that sense of safety we feel from an adult who can do that brings that incredible container. So it's safe for us to feel it and then let it go. And I think that that is the beauty that we all deeply desire. So, 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 so much so. Yes. And, you know, my passion then is about how we internalize that, that that never replaces. We always need support. We always need empathic others. The more we receive that from another adult who can be present lovingly in their bodies with, with all those feelings, with our feelings, and we internalize that, we have that inner presencing, that's all my inner loving presence process work, then that, you know, becomes this ongoing, uh, yes, and a loving presence that's, you know, I'm here with you. I, I use that so much when there are feelings bubbling up, like if I'm in a conversation with someone, I'm just right here with you, sweetheart. So, mm-hmm. which of course is then what we're giving to our children is that mm-hmm. if we're, if we get to be heard by someone who can be with us, we internalize that, we can offer that to them, and then they internalize that for themselves. So they also have a, a sense of comfortableness and presence, um, hopefully, mm. with the feelings in their bodies. So it it's, uh, becomes a beautiful, um, it spreads, doesn't it? I remember Lana, when she was four, she wrote, the love can spread. And that's what mm. happens, isn't it? Loving mm. presence, capacity to be with feelings. It's It's just as pain hurts get spread you know if one child hits another child and hits another child and hits another child that gets spread wars those kinds of things but so mm-hmm. the opposite happens the more loving presence there is that spreads the other way the healing spreads and and how amazing to envisage a world where um where we're doing that where all the hurts over time are getting to be lovingly listened to more and more and more so we get to heal release express feel more and more and more relaxed in our lovely bodies too which is to return to know that loving presence when we get to release more we get to feel more we can actually feel not only feel sadness and outrage and frustration and confusion but also wonder and delight and joy and excitement and happiness and all of those things and just the wonder of like being here and looking out and looking at trees or looking at a dear friend on a podcast (laughs) with a lovely pink jumper (laughs) (laughs) oh yes a big yes to all of that yeah it is it's we talk about that all the time if we're going to change the world then it starts with how we respond to our beautiful children 
because they are the ones that are going to internalize this this deep acceptance and acknowledgement and love and then take that forward and that's you know that's what we that's what our beautiful world needs right now yes oh good conversation oh yummy all right it's almost so, like a completion, but I just because I didn't want, I don't think we want to do one more part. I did also want to mention this, that CAD conversation as well. Mm. If anyone listened to that, I, I found that really moving. And mm. again, something that seems to be happening in the collective is like more and more just really normalizing that we pretty much as adults, we've pretty much all experienced trauma to a smaller or greater extent. And mm. feelings are beautiful and normal and natural and actually crying and expressing all of those things that she did. So um, mm. I just think that was such a gift to mm. actually really see that that's, yeah, whoever they are, whether whether we're a, a mum or a multi-award winning um, songwriter and singer or a politician or the queen or whoever we are, I mean, we're all human beings and we all experience hurt and pain mm-hmm. and loss and, and trauma and we all have big feelings and we're either expressing them or we're not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, Marion, to finish off, what would you love to share with people? Because you've got some beautiful offerings at the moment. What would you like to tell people about? Thank you so much, Lel. I'm actually thinking about the babies conversation. So these aren't mm-hmm. live things, but I do have um, uh, an aware printing babies QA vault, lots of little um, answers to all questions about um, aware parenting with a baby. And I also have an Aware Parenting Babies course with my dear colleague, Helena Mooney. Um, and also, if you're specifically wanting to support a, a one to eight-year-old around healing from stress and trauma, the things we've been talking about today, I have an, um, an online workshop, a six-hour online workshop coming up, which is probably going to be the last one I do this year. And that also counts towards certification if you are in Australia or, uh, or a country without a level two instructor and you want to become an aware parenting instructor, which is my vision and passion to support a million aware parenting instructors in the world. I'm running that as well. So mm, what about you, lovely Lael? Got some gorgeousness. Um, I have an aware parenting immersion coming up, which is an eight week course I do, which is really about, it, it, it explores aware parenting, but it's really looking at what your imprints from childhood and what you learnt and then how that turns up with your kids. So it's just going a bit of a deeper dive into your own story. So that's coming up at the end of July. And I have my couples course, which is also something that you can do with your partner if you're really looking to hopefully be on the same page and, and look again at some of your stories and what you bring to parenting as well. So that you can do that anytime. So that's there. So yes, that's what's there for today. Hmm. All right. I would love to also quickly uh, offer uh, to invite anyone who would like to and is willing to to connect in with how you're feeling having heard all of these things the two really big things we've talked about today I'm really focusing on body and illness and trauma and birth I mean pretty much anyone who's listening will probably have something around these things so I really we really invite you to hold yourself with loving compassion if feelings that have bubbled up please come along and Come along to our, um, there's a free Aware Parenting Facebook group, uh, which we really recommend. Also would recommend actually Aletha's, Salter's books, particularly um, The Aware Baby and Tears and Tantrums. Mm. There are many, many Aware Parenting instructors all around the world who are 
all about this. This is what they're trained in. Uh, Aletha also does uh, offers session one-on-one sessions as well. So there is so much support and information for all of these things that we've talked about today. So if you would like more support, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. So sending mm. love around that. I love that you mentioned that because, yeah, you're exactly right. There's they're big themes and topics we've talked about and they might be the first time you've heard something like this or they might be, they might bring up some, yeah, some feelings. So, yeah, please, again, be gentle or reach out if you want support because, yes, you're right, there's so much support out there, yeah, to help to help really, I guess, or for all of us, what we're the big picture is is that we, we want to come back to living these beautiful, you know, aligned, wholesome lives to raise our children like that. So, yeah, doing the work and, and getting supported in it is, um, yeah, is, is a gift. Mm. Thanks mm. for being here, everybody. Thanks always again for your sharing and, and your comments. And, um, and, you know, if there's something you would like us to talk about, we'd really love to hear from you. So you can leave a message on our Instagram page or on Facebook and, um, and we work towards having more in-depth conversations. <laughs> Thanks for being here, everybody. Mm, so much love to you. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.